guys. Thanks for listening to Library Overload. This is Susie. And this is Tavia. If you want to check us out online, you can visit our blog at libraryoverload.home.blog. I do show notes there and I list every single book we mention, much less talk about. I have little fact checks because sometimes I say ridiculous things and have to correct myself later. <laughs> and we are also on Instagram and Facebook at Library Overload there. so much for joining us we're very excited for this episode which like we talked about before we always are <laughs> excited <laughs> books <laughs> equals excitement yay but we're going to do something a little different today yeah I kind of a little bit stole this concept but hopefully we're gonna do it different enough to where it's not absolute theft right C- could it just be borrowing and expanding yeah let's call it borrowing so We are going to be giving you some book flights. So this is going to be like if you go to a brewery and you get a beer flight because you want to try them all out. We're going to give you some book flights. So we're going to give you three books that have the a similar tone, a similar theme, something like that. Instead of the usual like if you like this book, you'll like this. We're going to give you. Which we know you hate. Yeah, it's so annoying. I blame Gone Girl for that. You've talked about that at length. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, that's what we're going to do. And hopefully it works out and I think it'll be really cool. Yeah. And I think you guys are going to like it too. So. All right. I am going to do my first book flight as a, it's a personal development flight. So. Yeah. That's awesome. We haven't really talked personal development books. No. No, we haven't. And I like to label them instead of self-help, which I think feels kind of like hokey people just do not care for that title so i think personal development's better because really it's what you're doing you're you're reading these things to make yourself better to become a better person so i like that term i really got into it when i joined a um, weight loss boot camp and she said it was just as important to feed your mind as it was to feed your body the correct stuff so we had to do personal developments every day Um, that makes sense yeah so that's kind of where i got into this um genre and i i read a lot of personal development um and i haven't really talked about it yet so that's very exciting yeah that's perfect so my first one is called as is that's by aaron brown it's a 21 day practice for finding peace in your skin and it's really cool it's a book but it also has little journal sections where you can journal in it Hmm. and basically it's about self-talk and how your body image is critical to finding to like feeling better about yourself so it's like your inner voice kind of thing yeah like making you more cognizant of how you interact with other people like am i feeling judgy towards that person because there's something lacking in me Mm, okay okay or you know things like that and like if you wouldn't talk to your best friend that way why would you talk to your body that way yeah so it's kind of that sort of thing but there's also little like i said journals where you can do different little exercises and it's really helpful to have that mental awareness that Mm -hmm. self-awareness of what you're doing what you're talking to your body about how you're you know how you're putting your energy out there and i'm sure that that makes a difference so that's my first one for that the second one is called you are a badass Mm -hmm. by jen sincero 
I've seen this everywhere. Yes. And she has a couple of different ones that, like, you're a badass at making money. And, and I forget what the other one is, but it's a couple with that title. Um, now, she's a life coach. Okay. And so that's kind of where she comes from with this. At times, I felt this one was a little hokey. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of meditating. Mm. And I'm, I'm just not the biggest fan. And maybe I haven't found peace <laughs> yet, but I can't seem to quiet myself enough for meditation. Right. No, I get that. But basically, it's it's a how to stop doubting your greatness and start living an awesome life. That's her little tagline on the book. And it's so it's just different, similar to the first one, but different things about self-esteem and, and that sort of thing. And it's just, it's really, really funny. She has anecdotes in there from her childhood, you know, about growing up and how she copes with different situations. And then she'll have sections on meditating and, you know, what energy you put out into the universe, mm -hmm. which is where I, I kind of, she kind of lost me a little bit. See, I, um, I would be intrigued by the, the energy part. I'm a big believer in that, which is weird because I'm, I'm yeah. not at all hokey, but yeah, I do. I'm a big believer in energy. Interesting. Yeah. So that kind of sounds interesting to me. Yeah. Question. Yes. It's kind of been a big deal right now to where all these like personal growth or personal development books, they're like, they have curse words in the titles. Have you noticed that? The next book on my list. <laughs> do you think, like, I wonder... Do they think that it makes them a little more hardcore? Like people will like it more because I'm cussing? Like, I don't know. I think it's, I mean, it leads into my next book, which is The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Flip. <laughs> that was PG. Yes, that was my PG. Um, and that's by Mark Manson. But I think it's to tone down the cheesiness of mm -hmm. all of the self-help out there. I think it so makes like, them feel edgier. Yeah. Well, his thing is, <laughs> I don't even want to say it. He says, flip positivity. <laughs> Life screwed up and we have to deal with it. So this is a self-help book for people who hate self-help books. Okay. It's very funny and a realistic approach. And it's like, all this positive stuff, all this whatever is not, you still at the end of the day have to figure out how to live with really crappy people. Mm -hmm. So here's a, a way to do it that's not overly cheesy, which I appreciated. Okay. I thought it was really funny. I don't know. I kind of would almost rather read something like that that's just like, yes, this might be cheesy because the ones that have like the edgy curse words on them, I'm just like, could you not? <laughs> like, but I thought it was really, really funny. But yeah. I'm more of a realist. Uh, someone called me a pessimist the other day and I said, I am not a pessimist. I'm absolutely a realist. Hmm. I will just tell you what it is. It's not like, or um, you'll just avoid saying anything at all. This is true. If I think that if someone's going to have a bad reaction to what I have to say, I just will not tell them. Damien runs the other way. Yes. I, I mean, I can't say anything. I hate confrontation. I, I hate, hate it. it. Like I had to have a, have a talk with my boss and I was like literally shaking and tearing up. It was like Rachel and friends being like, I might cry, but that does not detract from what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. That's funny. That's so funny. Yeah, so I thought that all three of these are really good self-help books. They're kind of 
different areas. One's one's more about body image Mm -hmm. and learning to love yourself where you are. Because if you don't love yourself where you are, you're never gonna love yourself when you get there. It's like it's like on a on a weight loss journey. If I don't love myself fat, it doesn't matter how skinny I get. I'm still not gonna love myself. Right. So it's it's kind of that same thing. Yeah. Like you've got to love. You've just got to love who you are mm-hmm. and because if you don't find that inner peace, it's mm-hmm. not something that you'll, you'll just magically find right. later. And that's yeah. what Erin Brown talks about also. She says, when I learned to accept my body the way it was, I started wanting to be better to it. Mm. And then that's when she lost weight. And that mental yeah. um, awareness there just makes such a big difference. And then Jen Sincero, she really is hysterical. Hmm. And she, but she did for me, it was a little woohoo out there, <laughs> but I, I have tried on numerous occasions to sit down and meditate and my brain just doesn't stop. I can't. Yeah. I haven't attempted it, but I have heard, I've got friends that are really into yoga mm-hmm. and things like that. And like, even they say that it's just, it's just difficult to turn your brain off. Yes. Especially I think in this day and age. Mm-hmm. Also, it's difficult to find time to sit down and meditate. Yeah. Maybe if I gave up reading, I would have time to meditate. But then what and kind then, of world would that be? And then what would we do? <laughs> right. It would just be me talking by myself. <laughs> I mean, maybe somebody would listen to that, but you'd never say the right thing. Oh my God. No one would be here to tell me what word I'm looking for. <laughs> I'd be like, I'd have to call someone. I'd be like, you know that word. You're, you're, you have to use your phone a friend. Yes. <laughs> So you That's would still so have me bothering you. I'd be FaceTiming you like, Tavia. I'd be like, what is this for? I'm trying to meditate. Let me find peace. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. So okay. that was my first book flight. I like it. I'm I'm going to go to a murder route now. Obviously. <laughs> so we're going to go personal development and then death. So when the personal development doesn't work and you still hate everyone. Here's another option. You could just murder people. Yes. Cool. Okay. So this is my true crime murder flight. I've got a fiction series and then I've got a couple of non-fictions. Very excited to talk about. Very excited. I tried really hard to have books that I haven't talked about. So hopefully this will all be new information Brand new information. Okay. First, my fictional series is the Dexter series by Jeff Lindsay. It was also the Showtime TV show, which was crap. Don't watch it. Really? Well, the first few seasons were... I mean, it won like a bunch of awards, didn't it? No, the first few seasons were fantastic. The acting was amazing. But yet again, another horrible ending. So they changed the ending from the books in the show? Well... The, I don't know, the books were very, very different from the show. Mm. Kind of how True Blood did. Yeah, Yeah. they kind of were like, oh, this is a great idea. Let's change everything about it. So that's kind of what they did. So the first book is called Darkly Dreaming Dexter. It's by Jeff Lindsay. Dexter is a forensic scientist. He's a blood spatter analyst. But on, on the other hand, he's also a serial killer. But you know, it kind of like negates the murder because he's also solving crime. 
All right. Yeah. Doesn't he only go after bad killers? guys? Yeah. yeah. So he's he, only killing people who would be killing other people? Yes. His father was a police officer, and they figured out when he was young and a, the stereotypical, he started killing animals and things like that. His father found out, and he was like, well, if you have this compulsion, I'm going to teach you how to do it in a way that you won't get caught, and we're also going to give you a set of codes that if you have to kill someone you're gonna only do it to bad people interesting so yeah he's so he's really a good guy it's fine i mean yeah he's like robin hood essentially so i really enjoyed this series i forgot to look i think it's either i think it's seven books in a series it's completed it is older it actually has one of the coolest endings i've ever seen in a series Oh, that's cool. But yeah, I I really enjoyed them. I I kind of read them very quickly. They were pretty quick reads. But yeah, I I kind of think they're awesome. And it's not often that you'll get a fictional book from the serial killer's perspective. Yeah. So that was really cool. My next one is a really huge book. It's I'll Be Gone in the Dark by Michelle McNamara. It's the Golden State Killer book. Um, Michelle McNamara was a true crime I don't want to call her a blogger, um, but she had a website. She did true crime articles. She did research on cold cases, things like that. But her specialty was the Golden State Killer. She dedicated years and years and hours upon hours of research just on him. Interesting. She was Patton Oswalt, Oswalt's hmm. wife. I think we may have briefly touched on this book in our very first episode. Oh, did we? Dang it. I, I mean, mean it's too. been... I mean, it's been a while. So, yeah, it's it's fantastic. The paperback is out now, and oh, it cool. actually has a, a couple of extra chapters because the Golden State Killer has now been caught. And so it's got Patton's thoughts on what Michelle would have felt when he's been caught and things like that because seriously the book came out two months later he was in prison Wow! so and the police are saying that it wasn't because of her book it was it was absolutely because because of her book so I I think it's fantastic it's chilling I read it after he was captured but I was still really scared like I was locking (laughs) windows right (laughs) even though like he's not gonna be here also, I'm pretty sure he was in the Golden State, not in Yes, he would our not be state. in Tennessee. Right. I was just trying to be proactive, though. I gotcha. Nobody needs to get murdered. Mm-mm. So, it's fantastic. HBO is doing a docu-series on it, oh, cool. so I cannot wait to see that. HBO was actually filming when Patton Oswalt, Billy Jensen, and... Hmm, the other guy that helped finish the book, she died in the middle of the book. Oh, wow. So... Patton Oswalt, uh, Billy Jensen, who is a crime journalist, and Paul Crap. I'm going to have to do a fact check. I'm sorry. Paul Crap. Yes. They were all together doing a book uh, signing or a book release or something Mm -hmm. like that. They were all together when the Golden State Killer was caught. Oh, wow. And so they actually got it on film. So I can't wait to see the docuseries on that. I'm, I'm really excited. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay, my next one is one that I just read. It just came out a couple of weeks ago, and it is terrifying. So this one's called American Predator, The Hunt for the Most Meticulous Serial Killer of the 21st Century. And this is by Maureen Callahan. That sounds creepy. It's terrifying. (laughs) So I believe it was in 2012 when a young woman went missing from her job. They 
watched the video at her job, saw her, it seemed like she was being robbed, and they watch her walk away with someone. Well, she doesn't turn up. They wonder if she ran away. She had an argument with her boyfriend. All of this stuff. She was right at that age of, well, she could have just run away. I hate Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. So, long story short, all of a sudden her debit card is being used in Texas. So, they catch this guy. His name is Israel Keys. And he is terrifying. He, this is not the first time he has murdered someone. It's the first time he's been caught. He has killed people in possibly 15 different states. Oh, wow. He has no motive, no M.O. He is bisexual, so he doesn't care what gender you are, what you look like, your age, anything. He would bury caches of weapons and money, so no matter where he went, he would be okay. Wow. And he was meticulous with covering his tracks. There was never any DNA left. So why did he use the debit card? He thought that he they wouldn't be able to track it. That yeah. seems absurd. Maybe I know. he wanted to get caught at that That's point. That's what people are wondering, but he was just so sociopathic that it's he could have done this for forever. Like, yeah. no one would have known because the way he would travel, it was untrackable because it was so erratic. Interesting. It's bananas. This was terrifying. Bananas. This shit is bananas. I did consult my sources, and we are supposed to pay every time you sing a song. Damn it. Yeah. I'll try to stop. It's going to be hard. I mean, I don't think that it it's really going to come to anything. We'll see. You only sing, like, one snippet of the little song. Well, it's not so. like we're actually playing the song. It's like I'm covering it. Yeah. Okay. Maybe there's some... If anyone out there listening is a legal expert, <laughs> <laughs> send us a message and let us know if Susie's going to get sued. Yeah. Let me know. Uh, but, yeah, it's terrifying. And I read it when I was at home alone at night. That sounds like a terrible choice. Didn't like that at all. But American Predator did finally get me out of my reading slump. Yay! (laughs) I texted Tavia and I was like, the serial killer, he saved me. (laughs) I'm cured. (laughs) You're so ridiculous. (laughs) But I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, It got me back in, in reading. I have now read two and a half books. What? I know. So... Is very good. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Okay, well, true to form, since you went with true crime, mm-hmm. my next flight is going to be a historical fiction flight. Yay! Yay! And I was excited about putting this one together. There's a couple that I hadn't talked about that I do really enjoy. Good. Um, and one may be slightly controversial, so we'll, we'll see about that. Yeah. Controversial. The first one I'm going to talk about is Water for Elephants by Sarah Gruen. And okay. This is one that I put in Susie's shopping cart a long time ago, and I don't think you've read it yet. I still have not, no. It's so sad. Yes. But basically, it's the story of star-crossed lovers set in the world of the circus in the 1930s. So it's really atmospherical and whimsical and Mm -hmm. fun and, like, gritty at times and so emotional. I cried buckets I did of see tears. The, I saw the movie. The movie was beautiful. Yes, the movie and had just Reese Witherspoon in it. Heartbreaking. Yeah, and if you think the movie was heartbreaking, the book mm. is so much worse. But it's a beautiful story about these two people who fall in love, and it's really not 
good timing. Mm-hmm. It just, you know, it, they're also traveling across the country. They're both working a circus. And it's just kind of crazy. It's the depression. Mm-hmm. Just kind of cool. I wonder how it was being in the circus during the depression. No one had money to come Right, to and that's circus. one of the, you know, the things is like you're living this life when people barely have any money to survive but there's so much bleakness in the world when the circus comes to town it's like that one little ray Mm. of goodness Mm -hmm. and and that's pretty cool so i mean i think anything set around the 30s is pretty fun anyway i I do like that time time period i think i like all time periods you do let's (laughs) let's be honest right but um it's just really fun but yeah absolutely get your tissues because so many tears so many <laughs> uh the next one i'm going to talk about is called the help mm. and this one's by katherine stockett and this one's the one that could be slightly controversial um there are lots and lots of opinions on this book out there but i personally i enjoyed it and that may be because i have a certain level of privilege in my life mm-hmm. And I don't have to deal with some of the stuff that other people have to deal with. Sure. So maybe I read it from a different perspective than other people would. Mm-hmm. But um, basically, it's Skeeter returns home from Old Miss with a journalism degree. But it's 1962 Mississippi. And women are not supposed to be having journalism degrees. They're supposed to be staying home, making babies. Oh, yeah. Raising families. Not asking questions. Not asking questions. Um, so through a series of events... She befriends a black maid and then decides that she wants to tell the story of the domestics that worked as servers, maids, that sort of thing, in 1962, Mississippi, during the heart of Jim Crow and segregation, Mm -hmm. and um, she wants to tell their story. Well, no one should be asking about their stories. No one should be telling their stories, especially not a white girl, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's very... It's very, it's eye-opening, it's hysterical at times, but it's also really, like, a, a really gritty look at what actually happened. Mm-hmm. So, I, I really enjoyed it, but there are a lot of people who say that it's, the little white girl didn't need to run in and save the black people. I, I didn't have that opinion, and like I said, and it's probably because of my personal background, mm-hmm. but I really enjoyed it. I think, I think the big discussion with it is can there not just be a, a book or a movie where the black person saves themselves? Right. And other than Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, right. the names that we really know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just, it would be, it would be beautiful if we could, if we could live in a world where persons of color were able to save themselves and they didn't have mm-hmm. to rely on. Right. I do think that that is, like a misconception though because I think even like back to the women's suffrage movement they wouldn't have gained as much traction if they didn't have prominent male supporters speaking out for them true so I think that that's a a thing to consider true but it's 2019 now Mm -hmm. and people are still writing things about black people as slaves as servants as people being spit on in the street and it would be great if literature could kind of catch up and yeah. and write mm-hmm. a better story right i get that like the hate you give is a modern yes take on on this yes. right yeah i would just i would love to see there's a great sci-fi book that's out right now and i have not read it so i don't know much about it but it's it's called when is black future month oh. and the cover is 
gorgeous. That sounds cool. Yeah, it's a sci-fi. It's somewhat new. Very beautiful. But I want to read it just because of the title. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Yeah, I would love to see something where it's just black people living their life and Mm -hmm. not being shit on or being Mm -hmm. thrust into these horrible situations. Like, it's just, it's time. For a different viewpoint mm-hmm. of the story it always doesn't always have to be yeah they don't always sick. have to be slaves they don't, right yeah it could be a, a modern mm-hmm. i get that i get that but yeah so the help there was a lot of a lot of tension with that one but i really enjoyed it and then the last book on this one for me is one that i haven't actually read yet good They're i have very... a couple that i haven't read yet either yes i i cannot wait to get to this one but i took a pause in my historical fiction for a little while to go is on that a... because you were you were reading smutty smut yes but also this one is a lot like another one i read and i didn't oh, want to read them okay. too close together but also because of the smut yeah <laughs> always because of the smut <laughs> this one is the nightingale mm. and that's by Kristen hannah and she's really popular right now. She did, she has also The Great Alone, which is everywhere. But this is her historical fiction. It's set in World War II France. It's about two sisters, Vienne, who watches her husband go off to the front and thinks that the enemy will never come to France and she should be safe. But guess what? Here come the Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> and she has to house the soldiers and then it's also about her sister, who's 18-year-old Isabel, and she falls madly for a French resistance fighter. So he basically, the French resistance believes that they can stop the Nazis from inside France. Okay. Well, through a series of events, apparently he betrays her. <gasps> and then she lashes out, regardless of the consequences. Mm. And it's about the two sisters, the war, France. <laughs> that was good. Thanks. And I, I just, you know, I think it would be magical. Mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. very much like The Girl You Left Behind. Okay. When you started talking, I was like, wait, have we not talked about this recently? Yeah. So, okay. But that was World War One, France. <laughs> and it had... It's definitely <laughs> not the same then. <laughs> well, there's like 20 years difference. Come on now. It is the same. No. But also that one had a modern character in it as well. And it was split between two time zones. This one's a full okay. retrospective or okay. whatever you call it. Okay. Gotcha. But I am very, very excited. I own it. It was one of my book of the month books. Okay. So it's there. I just didn't want to read it too close to The Girl You Left Behind because gotcha. it was just too, too much. Yeah, I get that. Too much sameness. <laughs> also this month. <laughs> I'm glad that you recognize that that's where you are. Thanks. Okay. My next book flight I'm very excited about. I feel really good about it. Okay. So this one is a behind the scenes light. That sounds fun. So I have two nonfictions, one fiction. My first one is called On Writing, A Memoir of the Craft, and it's by Stephen King. Oh, cool. It's fantastic. So a couple of years ago, I decided that I was going to participate in National Novel Writing Month. It's in November. You try to write 50,000 words of a novel in 30 days. Are there 30 days in November? Yes. Okay. In 30 days. (laughs) And when I was getting ready, like prepping for it, I'd never written anything besides for like the stupid short stories that you write as a kid. So when I was prepping for it, I heard that this one was one of the best writing books ever. Mm -hmm. It really is. That's cool. So it's part memoir, part writing class-esque. 
So he, Stephen King covers his childhood, how he and his brother created their neighborhood newspaper. They oh, found cool. this shitty old printer and wrote articles and like passed them out, oh, things cool. like that. Super cute. He talks about his first book, which was Carrie. It's 1973. And the big joke is he only married his wife because she owned a typewriter. (laughs) (laughs) They were dirt poor. They had an infant and a toddler barely making ends meet. And Stephen King is writing small short stories for like Playboy and these I wonder how much those would be worth if you get your hands know. on the vintage Playboy with his original short stories. I never thought about that. That would be cool. That would be cool. So he started writing Carrie just as a short story collection, got most of the way through it, and was like, this is crap. <laughs> no one wants to read about girls going through their periods and things like that and threw it away. Oh, wow. And his wife found it, read it, and she was like, you've got good stuff here. Let me talk you through women. <laughs> That's <laughs> and amazing. So it's really because of his wife that Carrie was his That's very first awesome. book. Yeah. He goes through his alcohol addiction, which he struggled with for a long, long time. He talks about how 30 publishers turned him down before he finally got oh, wow. a $2,500 advance for Carrie. Oh, and wow. it's just... It's it's really great. He's got some fantastic advice. And you're not really a Stephen King fan, so I, I guess you not. don't you don't have to be to enjoy this. No, like you I don't. Have. You don't even have to be an ex, a, an aspiring author to enjoy it either. It's just a great book and it's the only book that Stephen King's written about himself. That's pretty cool. And it's really really great. I really enjoyed it and I absolutely I would tell anybody to read it. It's very interesting. Awesome. My next one is a fiction, and I think that you would especially enjoy this, and I hope you haven't heard of it. Okay, so this one is called Finding Dorothy, and it's by Elizabeth Letts. Have you heard? I have heard of it. Dang it! Sorry. It's on... I don't know why you expect it not to be, but it is on my list of of books to read. Well, I'm glad then that I was right, that you would like it. Yes. So this is a novelization when L. Frank Baum, his wonderful Wizard of Oz, was published, they wanted to make a movie about it. He had unfortunately already passed away, but his wife, Maude, she was the one to really protect his book, wanted to make sure it was made correctly, things like that. So she was in her 70s by the time they made the movie. She gets to meet Judy Garland in 1939. Oh, wow. So I'm not sure how the author did this I'm not sure if they just found as many facts as they could and then just kind of fictionalized the discussions what was said things like that but it's basically Maud Baum trying to protect her husband's work but also after meeting Judy Garland and the shit that she was put through. Oh, it was to really make this bad. Movie, it was really bad. She befriended her, tried to protect her from her mother, from the director, mm-hmm. the producer, all of it. And so it sounds really fascinating. Yeah, and this is one you haven't read yet. I have not. Yeah. I I do want to, but I think it'll be a while. Yeah. I, I think it sounds fascinating for sure. Um, anything Judy Garland. I love watching her. Mm. I'm I'm fascinated by old Hollywood anyways. Mm-hmm. 
So Judy Garland uh, would be interesting yeah. to read about. And they really did her dirty. Like her subsequent drug issues stem directly from the treatment that she had mm. when she was a, an actress in Hollywood because they used to be under like contract with yeah. the with the studios and you couldn't get away from that and they could basically do whatever they wanted. So she would have to maintain a certain size. They would have she her had like to bind her breasts. Yeah. Like why would you have to do that because they're they too big? Because she was supposed to be a younger person, oh, portraying okay. a younger person. Um, but yeah, it, it was a lot of mental instability comes from what they put her through, mm. especially to make this movie. Yeah. So it sounds very fascinating. Yeah. And it kind of ties into my final book, which is Home by Julie Andrews. Oh. It's a memoir of her early years. I don't know if you guys know this about me, but uh, Julie Andrews is my deity. Yes. If I could, I would have a shrine to her. I stayed up all night on... I think you probably could if you wanted to. Well, I did stay up all night one one Thanksgiving night so I could go to Barnes & Noble Black Friday morning and get her autographed children's book. That's amazing. (laughs) So, So, home is... It's exactly what it says it is. It's from birth up until... The moment she meets Walt Disney and he asks her to be in Mary Poppins. Oh, cool. So it, it's fascinating if you're a musician, if you're a singer especially. It's, oh my God, it's so cool. Awesome. Like, the way she writes about being a singer, she had like a five octave range. Incredible. So cool. It, I would have to pause reading it to find old, old clips of her singing and it's it's just beyond. Oh, that's it's awesome. so good. It's so beautiful. It was it meticulously written. So much detail about her life. Like it's oh. so neat. Awesome. So I love this one and I am ecstatic. She's got her next book coming out. It is called Homework, a memoir of my Hollywood years. Oh. Y'all best believe I am asking off work October 15th so I can buy it. <laughs> And going home and sitting down and reading it. That sounds exciting. I like days like that. Oh, my God. I did that. I did that for the first time last year. Asked off a day of work Mm -hmm. so I could read a book. It was was like Kingdom of Ash, right? Yes. It was like the greatest day of my life. (laughs) Um, So I... I cannot wait. Mm. She announced it, I think, last month. And I was like, ah! I like threw my phone, like screamed. Because (laughs) home, it literally stops. Right after he asks if she'll be in oh, Mary wow. Poppins. And I was like, that's not enough information. <laughs> How so old is mad. that one, too? Oh, I don't know. I'll have to Like, look. how many years have you had to wait to find mm. out about the rest of her life? Uh, I probably read it maybe five to seven years ago. Oh, wow. So it's been a long time. And I don't think it was just published then. Yeah. So I think it's a relatively old old book oh wow if i had to guess when it was written i'd say early 2000s was she building suspense for the sequel uh, apparently <laughs> and it has worked That's so funny. i am ecstatic That's for it funny. cannot wait i think it'll be an a fantastic book because of how detailed her first one was mm-hmm. can't wait to read it awesome that sounds amazing amazing all right my next book flight is going to be about detectives Mm. you know i love me some detectives and so i kind of went in chronological order here with these okay so i'm gonna start with 
Sherlock Holmes. I knew as soon as you said yes. detectives. Well, we talked about on our covers episode how much I do love Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. And I've read them all and I have a couple of different versions of them. But A Study in Scarlet is my favorite one. It's the Sherlock Holmes number one. And it's my favorite because it has the origin of the Holmes and Watson story. Ooh! About how they meet, how they become friends, how they start working together. And I didn't know that. That's yeah. really cool. I've not read any Sherlock Holmes. Oh, wow. So, I It's I actually a quick reading. Um, and, and I think I mentioned that, too, because he published them as, as like, little serials mm-hmm. in magazines. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, they didn't think it would sell as a collection of books sure. at the time. So, he was just... Why would people want to read? <laughs> right. <laughs> craziness. Um, but, you know, like, f- the fingerprint as a method of detective work, mm-hmm. I don't think that that's a thing that I just... I just made that up. What is it called? What are you saying? I don't know. Did you do this to me? Did you voodoo me? (laughs) I paid someone $200 to do this. Forensic. Fingerprinting as a forensic method had just been established. I'm so proud of you. (sighs) I got there all on my own. You didn't help at all. You said fingerprints. I was like, what word do you mean from me? (sighs) You didn't help at all. Okay. So it had just been discovered in... So it's kind of a, a shocking thing. Like, oh, they can do that? And, you know, that's kind of and fun. And crime was never the same. Right. But it is about, they're called to investigate a murder. And there is one word written on the wall in blood. <gasps> and that's all they have to go on. And so then it's about them solving the case. But mostly it's about the Holmes-Watson origin story. That's really cool. Yeah. Okay. About how... They come to be roommates in the first place, which is All pretty right. cool. The second one, we're moving on up, which is an Agatha Christie, because I couldn't, I couldn't resist. Of course. And this one is Murder on the Orient Express, um, and that's actually one of the Hercule Poirot detective novels. Wow, that well, pronunciation was on point, man. Thank you. Um, and this is the number 10 book in that series, and I haven't gone back and read any of his early, I haven't read any of that series previous just because i started on the miss marple instead when i met i read murder at the vicarage and i talked about that one before but i love me some agatha christie i do i attempted to read murder on the orient express and i just i could not get into it and i wonder if it was just my headspace that i was in or if it was just a difficult book for me to get into it could be the language is definitely different it's it's british and it's british from the 1930s Mm. so it's like it's a whole different set of words that don't even exist sometimes anymore Mm -hmm. uh side note i have a friend that for the very first time was reading a book by a british author set in england and she was like what does this word mean what does this (laughs) word mean and they said a cuppa and i had to google it like welcome to british literature yes it's a whole different world and especially british literature from Mm. days gone by Mm -hmm. um sherlock holmes on a certain level as well it's very victorian yeah writing but it's not as bad because it's it's just shorter and more concise the way holmes mind thinks lends it to be more concise to Mm. read so I can understand the struggle with the language mm-hmm. for Agatha Christie. I don't sure. I don't think it's for everyone, but I think once you get into the story, it's really fun. And it goes really quick. Most of hers are really short, quick reads. Okay. But Murder on the Orient Express, there is a murder on the train, 
So it's in motion. This train's moving. No one can get on or off. (laughs) This is key here. Okay. So there's multiple stab wounds. And so everyone on board is a suspect. And pretty much everyone on board has motive. Oh, my God. So it's like, you know, who committed the crime? Mm. What happened? How did Hercule Poirot just happen to be on this one train? Oh. You know, so it's lots of fun. I really enjoyed it. I really, really wish that the Orient Express was still a thing. I would have loved to have taken that journey. (laughs) That sounds like so much fun. Have you ever been on a train? Yes. I've never ridden a train. Really? Mm -mm. That's crazy. We have a really cool train here in Chattanooga. Well, I know, but I... It's kind of like when you live in a town, you never do like the, in quotations, touristy yeah. stuff. But they do do a really cute Polar Express ride every year at Christmas. Yes. And I love the Polar Express. <laughs> I would strongly suggest caution with this because there will be lots of children there. I know. That's why I haven't done it yet. But I did take, um, me and my sister took my nephews to the Polar Express and it was so much fun. It seems so cute. Yeah. And they like give you cookies and and hot cocoa they would give me cookies too or do you have to be a kid uh, i don't i didn't get any cookies so i'm assuming it's a child rude it really That's is discrimination it's ageism <laughs> <laughs> but that same train also does regular runs because it is a track that was a pre-civil war track and so you go you go through a tunnel that was built during the civil war and there's like an inch of space between you and the tunnel wall. Oh my goodness. And it's like so cool. It's a really cool, really interesting trip that I think everyone in the area should take. Will you take me? Sure. Okay. We'll make a field trip. Sounds like a plan. And then moving on up to the modern times, my next one is The Surgeon. And that's by Tess Gerritsen. Oh, I have seen this, but yes. I don't know what it's about. I came across this series. It's the Rizzolian Isles series. Oh, okay. Yes. So I I watched the TV show first. I did not realize it was a book. So when I found out it was a book, I was like, oh my gosh. Well, of course. Obviously, I have to go read this. I didn't enjoy it as much as I enjoyed the show, probably because I just got into the show. Sure. And I watched it from start to finish before I ever found out it was a book. Gotcha. But it was really cool. It's... There's a killer on the loose in Boston, and Jane Rizzoli is the dete- you know detective from the homicide unit called to investigate. Um, and the, the killer is killing people in such a manner that they le- they think that he is an ex medical professional or a current medical professional, mm-hmm. um, hence the surgeon. And okay. so it's about them tracking down this killer in Boston. And Isles isn't in this book; she doesn't come in till the second book. Oh, okay. Right, but she comes when she does come in. She'll be the and I haven't read that one yet because I guess I was just disappointed in the first one. But she'll be she's the medical examiner, um, and her and Jane form a friendship. Hence the Rosalian Isles. Okay, but I really loved the show. It was a lot of fun. Can I be um, a jerk and add a detective book onto sure your thing? Uh, this is one that Anne Bogle talks about a lot. It's the Chief Inspector Armand Gamache series by Louise Penny. Yeah, she does talk about those a lot. The first book is called Still Life. It's, uh, I think it has, let me see. So the 15th book just came out. Oh, wow. And it is more of a character-driven than plot-driven, so Mm -hmm. that's different than normal detective kind of books. Yeah. And, but it's written beautifully. And it's in a tiny little town in Canada called Aww. Three Pines. Aww. And it's really cute. 
I, I read the first one, and y'all know that I'm more of a plot-driven person than character, but it was written very beautifully. He, uh, Chief Inspector Gamache, he solves his crimes, and he's kind of... When you say that name, it makes me want to think of chocolate ganache, and so now I'm hungry. Well, we can absolutely get some chocolate after this. Okay, that sounds like a plan. Okay. But I do I do recommend it if you like more of a character-driven, a slow build kind of thing. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got 15 books. But people that love it, love it. Mm-hmm. So that is another one to tack on to your detective thing. Nice. I think always the more books that you can put out there, the better. So I know. You're not being a jerk. Yes. Okay, my final flight is going to center around relationships, good or bad. Nice. My first one, I believe I have talked about before, so I'll just briefly mention it, is called My Grandmother Asked Me to Tell You That She's Sorry. It was one of my most favorite books of, of 2018, I believe, although I may have read it in 2017. I think we only briefly talked about it when we discussed our mutual dislike for Beartown. Yeah. I am going to one day give Beartown another shot because everybody loves it. I like I don't understand why I had trouble getting into it. But I guess it was just a really slow start. I mean, for me it was 50 pages of mm-hmm. three different characters telling you the exact same story. Yeah. So I just I, I I couldn't get into it. But that may be, you know, my thing like I said when we di- when we talked about that um at the same time, I didn't care for Cersei. I couldn't get into it yeah. at all. And people are raving about that. Yeah, I guess different books, books cool different books for different strokes that's what i was trying to say that's not a thing (laughs) i think you mean different strokes for different folks i know but i changed it to book but it didn't make a bit of sense different books for different strokes i am standing firm on that so my grandmother asked me to tell you she's sorry (laughs) uh by frederick backman it is told from the perspective of Elsa. Elsa is seven years old. Her grandmother has recently died. And her grandmother was a little hard to live with. She was kind of mean, kind of crazy. But she was a wonderful grandmother. So Elsa is, of course, devastated when she passes away. So going through her grandmother's apartment, she finds letters that she's left behind that she would like Elsa to pass out to all the people in the building to apologize for ways that she's wronged them and in doing that Elsa goes on this journey to learn really who her grandmother was and it's beautiful that sounds awesome anything that's like an ode to grandmothers I love my grandma was my most favorite person and I read this dangerously close to when my grandmother passed away Mm -hmm. but instead of making me overly emotional it was just like it was so good like it was just that's was, awesome. Yeah, it was just, it's fantastic. I absolutely recommend it. It's beautiful. But my second one and my third one I have never talked about on the podcast. I'm So I'm excited to share these. My next one is called He Said, She Said. And it's by Erin, E-R-I-N, Kelly. This is a book that came out shortly after the big eclipse in America that everyone was freaking out about. The solar eclipse? Yeah. Oh, okay. And this is about Kit and Laura. This is also a British book. So Kit and Laura are both eclipse chasers. In 1999, when they were at this huge festival to celebrate, it was right in the path of the solar eclipse. Mm-hmm. And when they were there, Lauren, Laura happens to catch someone in a terrible act. 
Oh. So she is a star witness in a criminal trial. After the trial, the victim ends up on their doorstep trying to befriend them, even though they've kind of tried to keep things separate. Interesting. Fifteen years later, they've had to change their names. They've moved. They're off the grid completely. No social medias. No presence whatsoever that can be tracked. Oh, wow. And you figure out what happened. Who did it? Did they do it? It's... Dun, dun, dun. I know. It's it's he said, she said, because in certain events, when there's no legitimate proof of anything, it's a he said, she said crime. Mm-hmm. And very interesting very good i um i do recommend it it's kind of a slow build but it it's got a lot of twists and turns that you don't see coming it's that's it's good. very interesting when you don't see them coming then they're really shocking i know i i kind of i it was one of those books that i was talking out loud like oh my god they got me <laughs> so good i would like to be a fly on the wall when you read one day <laughs> chris chris gives me the weirdest looks or sometimes you know how like if you're reading something funny you'll laugh out loud yeah. but you don't think about how weird it is that yeah. you're sitting there very quiet and then laughing yeah I do and that chris all the will time. be like is is your book funny babe like, yeah it's fine <laughs> don't worry about me hallucinating over here i have that same problem with um with books that make me cry like mm, mm-hmm. i finished ruin and rising from the grishaverse yeah. <laughs> at work i might have to screenshot your text messages <laughs> I was really like die. I was dying. It was really funny because um, she had finished it obviously mm-hmm. a, a while before me, and I finally got around to finishing it. And but I did finish it at work, and so I'm sitting there with tears on my face, <laughs> and then people are coming to ask me for help, and I was like, I help you. I need a minute, and they're like, Oh my god, are you okay? And I'm like, Yes. <laughs> So don't read sad books at work. Well, in in your defense, I didn't tell you to be ready for tears. No, I did not see that coming at all. I was shocked. But yeah, our our text messages between each other are hilarious anyway. Mm-hmm. But if when they're focused, else, someone else tried to like decode what we were saying. <laughs> it would probably make no sense. <laughs> are these women spies? Also, we we have a very serious tendency to jump back and forth between messenger and actual text messages. Yes, it's so sometimes we'll start on one, finish on the other. Because I have one job where I'm not allowed to have my phone on me, but I have access to a computer. So I'm like, well, I need to talk to Tavia right now. <laughs> Let me log in real quick. We might have a codependent relationship. It's fine. fine. Yeah, it's fine. (laughs) But anyway, yes, caution in reading Ruin and Rising. There are instances where you might cry on more than one occasion, and you will be useless at work. (laughs) Don't. My gosh, I, for our next episode, I was reading a book and it was like tearing, I was already tearing up, like unable to see my, my computer screen at work. And I was like, well, gotta put this away. Yeah. I can't. I, w- I had to go get like tissues, like, cause my nose was running. I was crying so hard. And so <laughs> That's I'm like. really bad I'm like, when you're crying that hard. Yes, I'm like, <sighs> like yeah. sitting at my desk and people are staring at me. <laughs> that is so weird. I teared up. But I did not cry that hard at Ruin and Rising. Well, I thought it was like... Oh, you thought like... Yeah, I thought it was a hard stop. Okay. (laughs) Okay, no, I understand. (laughs) 
You thought someone was dead. I did. Okay. Yeah, I thought there was a hard stop there. And I was not okay. But, like, also at the end, it's just dodging and, mm-hmm. like, the way it wraps up and yeah. the way it ended. I, I like the bow beautiful. that is tied at the end yes. of that series. Yes, yes. Because it's just enough, not mm-hmm. too much. Yeah, I thought it was, it was, it was wrapped up perfectly. Yeah. Oh, man. So, he said, she said, Aaron Kelly. Very good. I do recommend it. Slow start, but surprisingly, it's more of a character-driven than plot-driven. Interesting. Maybe, maybe a little both, I guess. Okay. My next one is called The Girls by Lori Lansons. This is way out of my wheelhouse. I actually had someone literally hand me the book and say, I need you to read this and tell me what you think. And I was like, okay, well, I actually don't have a book on me, so I guess I'll read it now. So this one is Rose and Ruby are conjoined twins at the head. They were given up for adoption the moment they were born. The woman that birthed them were like, nope, I don't want to be near this at all. But they were adopted by a wonderful couple that was unable to have children. So they were raised in this small little town up north near the Canadian border, I believe. I'll have to fact check that. Do you have a Canadian theme going on? I guess I do. I'm just Canada everywhere. Oh, Canada. <laughs> do you have to pay the country of Canada? <laughs> I have no song? idea. I don't know if anyone has copyrights on Oh Canada. No, they no, I don't think so because it's played like right. everywhere. I have, well, I, actually, I wonder if every country is as weird about their national anthem as we are. I I, I don't think so. Hmm. I um, think it's a weird American thing. Possibly. Okay. Okay. So, this novel covers the full but short life of the Darlin girls. Aww. Rose is the bookish one. She. Conjoined twins don't have a very long life. They make it to age 30. Oh. And it's longer they, than I would have thought. Yes. And so they, it's, their health is deteriorating. And Rose wants to write their autobiography, kind of tie up loose ends. Ruby just wants to have a normal life. She's the pretty one. She wants to have a normal life, wants to flirt with boys, wants to kiss boys. And it's... When you're conjoined like that, it's very difficult to do two very different things. Mm-hmm. So it just follows their life through childhood to adulthood. It You go through their grieving, loss of parents, um, them becoming independent. And it's just, it's very beautiful. It's a great sister, two very opposite people, but mm. being conjoined, how they deal with that, their inner thoughts as you go through the book, eventually you'll get Ruby's version, Rose's version. You oh, kind of go back clinical. and forth. It's very interesting. I think you would like it a lot. It sounds really depressing, though. It's, But it's really not. It's not depressing. It's just a beautifully written story. That's cool. Um, it, it is sad, yes, when, when towards the end. But it's also just, it's also very beautifully written. Awesome. But yeah. Cool. Yeah. So that was my relationship flight. Nice. Do we have to pay the angels when we sing the chorus? Is that when you tithe? Is that is that why you tithe at church? I don't think that money goes directly to the angels. We should get Aziraphale and ask him. Aziraphale? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> you know when in Supernatural, when Dean has to pray to... Castiel. Castiel. <laughs> 
I just, I don't know why that made me think of that just then, but that's funny. Uh, what does Castiel say to Dean? He's like, I pulled you from, crap, what does he say? It's I gripped so- you tight and I ripped you from perdition or yes, something. Yes, I ripped you from perdition. Yes. <laughs> I've got to catch up on Supernatural. Me especially too. Especially now that it's on its final season. I'm kind of bummed. I am too. I have a friend of mine who, who owns a, a 67 Impala. And he goes to cons and he dresses up and him and his friend and they're Dean oh and Sam and Dean. Do they get all the girls? Well, he's married. I don't know about his friend. There's I think a- the friend has a girlfriend. But they went to Dragon Con. Mark Shepard was at Dragon Con. Yeah. So he got a picture with Mark Shepard while he was dressed as Dean. Oh, my God. And um, the lady who played Mary Winchester was there. Oh, cool. And then the lady who played Jody Mills was there as well. Oh, the sheriff, okay. Yeah. But Mark Shepard, I mean. Oh, yeah. Come on. Oh, yeah. So I was really I love excited how to see. Mark Shepard always plays American people in British television and British people in American <laughs> yeah, television. Yes. So yes. funny. Very funny. I saw a thing once that said, if you don't know who this man is, you haven't lived a correct life or something <laughs> like that. Because, like, he's in every sci-fi thing mm-hmm. ever. If it's nerdy. Yes. He, he has his fingers he's, in it. He's yeah. our guy. Um, which is, which is really funny. Um, I work with a guy that is very tall and skinny and has longish brown hair and I call him Sam all the time. That's funny. I, and sometimes he wears plaid button ups and I'm like, Hey Sam, that's amazing. (laughs) And I am not the first person to tell him that looks like annoying. Does he get annoyed with it? No, he's, yeah, he's just a goofy guy. He didn't care. That's good. But I did tell him that he needed to go to cons dressed as Sam because he would get all the ladies and then he was uncomfortable with that. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. I have been to Dragon Con, but one time and it was amazing. And I'm so Mm -hmm. mad that I haven't been again. Yeah, I would love to go. I'm going to have to drag you to go. Our, our, um, our husbands at that point next year for dragon con will not at all be interested it's so many people well daniel said that he would like to go and people watch but he was gonna build a tardis like that he could keep a perimeter of people away from him (laughs) so like he was gonna be in the tardis and it would have windows okay okay but it would be bigger so that people wouldn't get too close to him i like it it's a good idea yeah he would just have a a, so many people asking to take pictures with him i'm sure one time i he would probably say no He'd be like, no, go away. And then be like, Grumpy damn, TARDIS. damn, the TARDIS is so mean. Right? <laughs> Grumpy TARDIS. Um, when I was there, I was taking a picture of Gandalf with a, a, a street sign that said, do not pass. <laughs> and, and I was talking to myself about like, oh my God, Gandalf looks so good. And Deadpool whispers in my ear, I look better. That's so funny. <laughs> and ran away. That's so funny. <laughs> That no. was the that was the con where you lost your ability to speak in front of Stephen Amell, right? I did, I did, um, but I did also um, semi accidentally touch his abs. Nice. I do feel bad about it now because I do feel like it was so you sexually harassed, harassed yes. Stephen Amell. I do feel bad about it. So Stephen, I'm very sorry. If Stephen Amell is listening to our podcast, I will literally be dead. I won't be able to talk anymore. Right. I'm dead. Dead. <laughs> He's so pretty. If you don't know who <laughs> Stephen Amell is, he plays the Green Arrow on CW's Arrow. And he's kind of one of the most gorgeous men I've ever laid eyes on. And I got to take a picture with him. And she went, 
hi. And then I said <laughs> nothing. My ex, no other words. My ex specifically went to Dragon Con with me because he wanted me, he wanted to watch me meet Stephen Amell because he was afraid <laughs> that I would be arrested. And we get, I get up to his signing table and he goes, hey, Susie. And I go, hi. <laughs> and then that was it. That was all I said. <laughs> Yeah, I can't meet. I cannot meet famous people. So you are never going to have a meet cute where you fall in love with a celebrity. Never ever. Because they'll be like, "Who is this bumbling idiot right. in front of me?" It's not like that. Mm-mm. Play it cool. They're just like everybody else. Nope. 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 <laughs> I couldn't even keep my cool. I got to meet Nicholas Sparks many moons ago. Oh wow! And I couldn't keep it cool for him too. <laughs> like I, I brought my favorite book, which is The Wedding, the but, best one. <laughs> I brought the wedding for him to sign and he grabs it. He's like, hey, how are you? He starts talking to me about the characters in the book and promptly I forget what the book is about. <laughs> so I cannot talk to him about it. That's I don't amazing. know what's wrong with me. I do. Yeah, I, I can't meet. You're special. It's I, fine. I'm very special. So thanks. I don't think I have any celebrity meetings to. That's not true. I stalked Frodo once. Wasn't he in Chattanooga yeah. that night? Did you meet him that night? I did, yeah. I watched him. I was uh, sitting at a, at a restaurant downtown on the patio, and I watched him walk by. And, and you I were like, is that, is that Frodo? Yes. Are and you I, going to Mordor? I totally followed him into the pizza restaurant he went into. <laughs> and then I acted real cool, like I wasn't following him. Sure, yeah. And I was like, can I have a picture? And I got a picture with Frodo. Can you send that to me? Can I post it in show notes? Yeah. Okay. It's a terrible picture because it was pouring down the rain. And it's Frodo. He was on his way to Mordor. He doesn't look great, <laughs> Tavia. Right. And for those of you who are curious about why Elijah Wood would be in Chattanooga, we so have a really a big film festival. Yeah, we yeah. have a, a film festival every year that's pretty cool. Chattanooga is cool. It's a cool place, guys. Things happen here. <laughs> but yeah, um, I'll send you the picture with me and Frodo. Okay, well, we're going to have a picture-filled show notes. Yeah. I'm very excited. I'm going to have to dig up the picture of Stephen Amell and I. Yeah, so here's the thing. I stalked Frodo, and you sexually assaulted Stephen Amell. So So maybe we shouldn't. We should stop meeting celebrities. Yeah. I met Holly Madison in Vegas once. Is she a... She was on... I mean, I know who she is, but are we counting her as a celebrity? She was on a TV show. Okay. That's the only reason I know her. Not because of Playboy, but because she was on Girls Next Door. I bet you read it for the articles, too. I do. I like the jokes. (laughs) Uh, But I met her, too, and I said, Holly, will you take a picture? And then that was all. That's funny. I met Janice Dickinson in L.A. once. That's weird. Was she nice? No, not even a little bit. She, um, multiple people were around her and wanted to take pictures. And she said, well, everyone just get in the same picture because I'm not taking a bunch of them. I'm sure she was. So I have a picture of me and Janice Dickinson and like five random people. Strangers. Yes. Because she wouldn't take any more pictures. Well, but I mean. That was at the height of top model. So I cared about it at that point. I sure. really don't care about having a picture with her now. That's but funny. Yeah. She was like not model. a nice person. That's, I mean, can you imagine <laughs> right. though? Like I'd be like, y'all leave me alone. Yeah. But. We have talked a lot we today. Have. We have talked quite extensively. So yeah. I guess we'll let you guys go for now. Yeah, but check out our show notes. There will be some hella good pictures in right. this one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks. Bye. Bye.